This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to the Mad Men Happy Hour, the officially unofficial podcast for Mad Men on AMC. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And this week we're covering Season 5, Episode 9, Dark Shadows. Do I say the intro faster and faster every single episode? I was episode? about to say, it's taken nine episodes, but the last vestiges <laughs> of the NPR announcer feel have gone completely. Yeah, I just ram right through that one. It doesn't even matter. Well, when you push uh, an hour and a half on your podcast, you try to be economical any way you can. Yeah, less time for me, more time for the feedback. <laughs> That's that's my uh, my thing. Uh, so, what do you think of the episode this week? Uh, it was a really fantastic episode that maybe wasn't as entertaining as previous ones, hmm, okay. but I thought it did a lot to move the theme along, move the characters along, bring in uh, save Lane, some people we've been wondering about. Yeah, where the hell is Lane? Five episodes now, no yeah. Lane. Yeah, wow, so. crazy. Uh, yeah, I really liked it. Um, this is like the season of doom for everyone, dude. I'm telling you, everyone a lot of sinister is shit. just uh, off their game. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. All right, let's get into the recap. Oh, so what would you give it number wise, one through ten? Uh, I'll give it a solid seven. Whoa, yeah. As far as Mad Men episodes go, not hmm. TV in general. I was going to say eight, eight and a half, but really, yeah. So you're giving it uh, so so eight is basically four out of five stars. You're saying it's a three and a half, uh, three point seven five. No, three and a half. I, I don't know. I like the ones that are seven versus that are eight. Entertaining. It isn't a it's, huge difference. That's the that's true. Yeah, yeah, and a rating scale. But I'm like, holy shit! I'm turning into a video game review magazine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if it's not kidding. If it's not nine, it's garbage. Yeah, that's well above average. Get out of here. All right, all right. Um, so we start off with Betty weighing her breakfast. That is got, a sad, <laughs> sad little breakfast. Yeah, it is. A couple of slices of, or blocks of cheese, a grapefruit, half a grapefruit, not uh-huh. even a whole grapefruit. And dry toast. Uh, yeah, burnt dry toast. Mm-hmm. It looked terrible. She didn't seem like she's enjoying it either. <laughs> no, definitely not. But, you know, nothing tastes as good as thin feels. I don't know that Betty has ever enjoyed anything. Betty is a miserable person. Yeah, she's all unhappy the all the time. That's one of her defining characteristics. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, so that's a quick short scene. And then uh, Pete goes in to uh, the office, I guess, and tells SCD, the, the better three quarters of Sterling Cooper Draper Price, that his friend Victor at the New York Times is going to write an article about him, or about the firm, rather. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he's going to handle it. He wants to be the guy to talk to him. Right. Uh and Roger makes a funny comment here about Sterling 
uh, Campbell Draper Price, doesn't he? No. Is that when this is, or is that later? I uh, know he does Sterling Cooper Draper Price, but I don't think he he's like, yeah, can I help you act like he's just a secretary there, I guess. Oh, see, I thought he said Campbell. Sterling Cooper Draper Price. Well, he's already- I, I was pretty sure he said Sterling Campbell Draper Price. Because oh. Pete's getting all uh, heady about his Oh, see, I've told him, man, I feel like an idiot if that's true, because I totally spaced that. Maybe I'm the idiot, and it's I was true. actually, uh, <laughs> yeah, you're right, because Pete's not a name partner. Mm-mm. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, Although he said that what, to Cooper, and I was right. like, Ugh, right. that's weird. I like to dig about the, you know, he's like, I've got a friend at the, uh... An interview with the New York Times, like, oh, you going for a paper route? <laughs> yeah. Like, Roger's yeah. always ready to put him in his place. Little kid. Uh, and also, uh, speaking of effortless, Pete is effortlessly a douche. Like, instinctually a douche. Yeah. The whole, uh, my mom says good news can wait, but I want to tell it anyway. And also, <laughs> don't worry about don't worry about your interview. They only want to talk to me. I mean, come Yeah, on. I know what good manners are, but I'm not going to follow that. Yeah, and I'm going... And the other thing is... Does Pete in his little smarmy head really think that he's the most interesting person? Oh, certainly. And the most philosophic, well-read, literary person at Sterling Cooper Draper Price? Oh, absolutely. I, yeah. That's the thing. I mean, you're a damn good admin, right? You're a damn, you're a damn no, good I'm account man. Admin. No, no, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking <laughs> to Pete. You are a good account man. Uh-huh. But you're not the most interesting person. You're probably one of the least interesting people here. Yeah, you have the least history and... They're not going to want to talk to you. They're going to want to talk to someone who's been around. I mean, if he would tell, if he would actually tell a candid interview about his whole life story. Oh god! Yeah, now you're talking. And then I bought a gun, and but, I planned to and, use it, and I, and I raped that one German girl. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, that would be interesting. That'd be a fascinating look into the madman or the admin of the era. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, so. so Don there says that he'll get Joan to arrange it, and then we go into the next scene, which I think is Joan arranging it, and they're picking. Um, pieces portfolio pieces to send i guess over to the new york times yeah for the article right right um and jones suggests that he send the letter with him yeah well uh, Don of... says that that all these pieces are from ginsburg wow. right that's the subtext you just keep yeah. seeing ginsburg 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 and mm-hmm. joan tries to put a brave face on it. it's like look at all this work you're doing as a creative director yeah and it's like you're this is now all these smart people with the great ideas that you've hired. And Don has got a little bit of professional jealousy because none of them are really his, except for the letter, which he <laughs> now knows that is kind of fucked the firm over. Yeah, it's causing them more trouble than it's bringing in business. Um, so then Cooper puts Roger on the Manischewitz lead. Um, he basically wants him to... He wants his finesse because he right. could put Pete on it, but... Pete hasn't been doing this as well or as long as Roger has. You really think that's what it is? I think Don, I think Bert is just tired of Pete's shit. Well, there's that, yeah. He wants yeah, to bring one in right. solo uh, just to prove that they can. Uh-huh. So, and then, turn, of course, turn it over to Pete because that's what's going to happen. But he wants to keep it out of his hands as long as possible. Yeah, I guess Roger says as much when he's talking to uh, Ginsburg later right. on. Although, I do think there's also the something to that Semitic wife business. I, yeah. I don't... I feel like... And I don't... It's surprising. I have less, I have less Jewish friends than I do, like, gay friends or any other minority, I would think. I don't have much experience with them. But... Hmm. The show paints them off to be a lot, kind of reverse racism. You, you know, mean? like they, they like 
I, there's a little bit of this, uh, you know, they're running around like they only do business with other Jews and all that kind of stuff. And that's mm, yeah. that's actually another form of racism against them, is it not? Like what, a, a, a Jewish man I won't do know, business man. unless you're married into the into the tribe? I guess. Uh, is, is that I, how, it, I thought, how it is or how it was? Or? Well, I mean, I just thought there's a lot of subtle digs here. Like, mm-hmm. Ginsburg is super aware of the prejudice about yeah. that, and, and Peggy mentions it. But yet Ginsburg pitches an ad where, of listing all the people that kids hate, <laughs> he throws in <laughs> Indian, Indian chief. chief. Yep. Like, holy shit. Yeah. Well, you think cowboys and Indians, they're going to be cowboys, sure. not Indians. Sure. I mean, yeah. I know that they're pitched as the bad guys, but exactly. still, it blows my mind mm-hmm. that in this day, in the year 2012, we have teams named horrible racial <laughs> slurs Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and mascots with offensive, stereotypical uh, depictions of Native Americans – and everyone collectively is okay with that. I just thought it was – so So that's what I'm saying. As I'm thinking about a lot of this, you know, this – the season one of themes is racism. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting how they show even characters who are aware of the racism against them and the prejudice, rather. Yeah. Um, are also prejudiced against other people and not even thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And here in – and you know, here in modern America, it's – you know, we still – even though you know we we look at Mad Men, it's like, well, that's all crazy. Look how the casual yeah. racism, but yet we still got the Braves and the Redskins, and you know we're still banning gay marriage. So, yeah, yeah man, uh, a lot of hypocrisy there. Don't you think that's interesting too, guys? Have you seen the um, some of the the images probably going around Facebook and internet comparing like uh, anti segregated marriage protests? From like the fifties and sixties with the anti-gay protests, no, I and like the banners those. are like are identical. identical yeah. The types of people there are identical, and no. it's like if the more you point a finger at the Mad Men era, the more you gotta realize that there's one pointing back at you. Yeah, and you just wonder like when when will it end? Yeah, you know I don't know. I don't know. Maybe another fifty years. Sorry, sorry for the derailment. <laughs> In 2067. Right. There was... So, the other thing, I guess, is sometimes racism can be hilarious because... <laughs> Rogers, hilarious racism. Yeah, you know, Roger's thing, like, um, you know, well, how Jewish are we talking? Fiddler on the roof. Uh, audience or cast member. <laughs> All right. That was a pretty funny That's crack. pretty goddamn funny. Yeah. I, I agree. Okay. Let's move on. Uh, Megan is then teaching Sally how to cry on command. Uh-huh. Uh, and Don heads back into his office to... To do some work on the snowball campaign, um, Megan, what are you doing? Why are you teaching this little girl how to cry? Especially to get since what she wants she well, she's teaching her how to act, uh-huh. but she immediately uses it to try to get the the colored pencils that she needs for her project. Oh, immediately you took it that spins it around and tries to use it. Yeah, See, I thought it was just they were still practicing, and she was kind of wrapped up in it and. You know, she hadn't made the transition from watery-eyed practice with Megan to asking for the pencils, and it just seemed like that. No, no, no. With the way that Betty is manipulating her, she's picking stuff up from Betty, and now she's going to use Megan's acting talent. Between Betty and Dawn, she's already picked up a (laughs) master class at manipulation. Yes. And now Megan's like, you don't have enough tools in your suite there. Let me install a few more that you can... Terrible idea. Yeah. And it's funny that it gets used a lot against Megan later on in the episode. It does, definitely. Uh, I also want to put out, um, 
Bobby building a couch fort in the apartment. I Is thought he? that was pretty awesome. I didn't even see that. Yeah, he had to like the cushions off the couch and he had to live in the fort and he was <laughs> playing with his guys. Yeah, I used to do that. Oh yeah, who hasn't? Oh, every kid does that. Oh yeah. Ton of fun. Uh, so, as I said, Don goes into the office, and he takes a look at Ginsburg's snowball campaign. And he likes it. He likes it a lot. Which I do. I like Ginsburg style, the whole shit I got to do folder. Yeah. Yeah. I think I want to label the feedback folder in Gmail that. <laughs> shit I got to read. Shit I got to read. <laughs> <laughs> some of it I laugh. Some of it it disturbs me. Some of it I feel jealous, you know. Yeah. They're into gamut emotions. Gonna hit, you in a fa- hit you in the face with a snowball. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, he likes that. And also, he's, he realizes that yeah, this kid's doing good work, you know. Um, also, it was the first. It was the first, I guess, Animal Farm reference in the episode, and okay. uh, one of the readers, which I'll get to in the feed, uh, feedback, mentions that. We'll talk a little bit more, but uh, I don't know if you're aware, but it's a parable for Georgia Orwell, uh, writer of 1984. Uh, wrote something about kind of like the downfall of communism, and, yeah. and, and it's about animals taking over the farm and evicting the farmer. Yeah. And the hero of the story is actually Snowball the pig, hmm. and you know the villains Napoleon and all that stuff. But one of the themes of the book is that all animals are equal, but some are more equal than others. Mm-hmm. And I think that has a little bit to say uh, with the Don and Ginsburg interaction later. And also, it's like one of those things. Like, well, do they? Is it supposed to be uh, an allegory or a, a reference to that? And again, it's just how much do you believe that the Wiener put stuff like that in? Uh, I believe it pretty firmly. Yeah, I think we've seen it enough times. You to got, know. and when you got that thematic issue, and then the you got a picture of a, a pig, and it's like snowball. It's something you call your pig. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's got to be somewhat significant. And also, like, yeah. that's cool how Kinsberg kind of warms up with this uh, crazy stuff that's probably even wrong. Like, snowball, it'll rot your teeth. Snowball, <laughs> it's what you call a pig. Yeah, yeah. Until he's he actually, just finding, he's yeah. honing in on the real message that he he's wants. He's just riffing, but he gets all those kind of, like, mm-hmm. bad ideas out, or maybe that's his way of kind of loosening up. Yeah, well, we see Don in a couple scenes here doing the exact same thing. But, but I don't think he's running down the client. He's not like, Snowball, it's a fucking stupid product. No, you know, that's, no, no, no. That's Ginsburg's more irreverent, I guess, style. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then Betty goes to visit, uh, or to pick up the kids from Don's apartment, and gets an eyeful, an eyeful of apartment and an eyeful of Megan. Uh, yeah. And uh, is not happy. With she what takes she it sees. all in. Uh, she almost takes it all out with her ass. <laughs> she hits that lamp. <laughs> I cracked up, man. That's the thing. Like, I don't know why, but Betty seems to be wearing stuff that accentuates her fatness, her girth. Yeah, because uh, we see her later on with I won't say less clothes. Um, because it's not like she's running around naked, but something like uh, more form fitting. Yeah, she had like a smart little sweater outfit yeah. on later, and she's not like bl- Macy Day Parade blimp, Superman blimp. With oh, right here, she's like reference. she's like waddling through and knocking over the lamp. Yeah. That was pretty funny. Also, did Henry look exactly like the one armed man from The Fugitive? <laughs> He's sitting there with the leather gloves and the, and the hat. I, swear, yeah. I thought he was going to go in and smash Megan's head in with a, what was that, like a bowling trophy? Yeah, yeah, with some statue. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't pick up on that, but all right. Also, fans of the, uh, uh, of the Game of Thrones podcast we do, the Night's Watch, there's going to be a Fugitive reference there, too. Oh, wow. It's Fugitive Week here at the Bald Move Apparently Empire. Apparently so. Fugitive, released this week in 1985. 
Little known fact. That's not true. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> I was gonna say it's a little, yeah, I would I would go with that except for I'm pretty sure it was in nineties. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so what do you think about uh, what Betty sees here? She's pretty disturbed by it. Obviously, she's seeing that Don has things better without her. I mean, she's got he's got um, uh, an attractive young wife. He's got an awesome apartment in downtown Manhattan. Yeah, it's interesting. It's a meditation on perception versus reality, right? Because Betty sees all this and just relates it to her situation and her shortcomings, but she doesn't mm-hmm. know the vicious fight that just had. Exactly. It's like I was, and those are the dark shadows that. that the yes. Episode is Wouldn't about. it be cool if you could see that? You know, if, when you're seeing the perfect couple, if you could like see the the ghost images of their last fight. <laughs> or the fact that he's cheating on her or something like that. Because it's never... I mean, anytime you can feel compelled to be jealous of somebody, uh, you don't really know what the situation is. Yeah, certainly. You see the good things and you don't see the dark shadows. Now, I, we had some feedback that said that Megan was rude to Betty. Agree or disagree? Oh, disagree. I think she was just surprised by her. Especially when you see Don's reaction about, I'm not letting her pull this crap again. Yeah. And you think that this is not the first time that Betty has tried to poison them for 50 miles away. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of antipathy, uh, antipathy there, I think is how you pronounce it, Jesus, uh, <laughs> in, in in that relationship. And if anything, I thought Megan was super cordial. Mm-hmm. You know, not like, you know, over and, and pretending like nothing's there, but she was, you know, courteous and she was polite in front of the kids. And well, it, she it, does make one comment uh, that I can't remember exactly, but it's about her seeing most of the apartment. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, well, you've seen most of it already or something like see, that. See, I think that's what people thought was bitchy. I interpret that as self-deprecating. Like, it's a small apartment. Oh, see, I thought that she realized she was looking in on her bedroom from where she was standing. I don't think she... You would think that she would see that, because who... How can you be <laughs> naked 10 feet from somebody... And not notice it. And not that. notice it. And yeah. also, I don't know if that's appropriate, period, but... Anyway, my thought was she was trying to say something that's self-deprecating. Like, you know, mm-hmm. Betty lives in his mansion, this castle, mm-hmm. and they live in this little comparatively small, although Maybe. it's nice, a really nice, oh, yeah, super nice swanky. apartment, but it's like you've seen it all, like, you know, like it's not that big, there's nothing else to it. Yeah, maybe. So, that's what I interpret Giving her from the benefit anyway. of the doubt. But on the other hand, I thought Betty was just shooting hate daggers oh, at yeah. Megan the whole time as she's just basically trying to see the kids off. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. so that's my take if anyone is curious. Um, <clears throat> so then we get Don brainstorming the snowball ideas, uh, into his dictaphone or whatever that thing is. Uh-huh. It's a little audio recorder. Um, starts off with some pretty weird stuff, you know, like, uh, snowball's chance in hell. It's, uh, doesn't seem like it's going anywhere, but then he brings it around and he likes it by the end, I guess. That's the thing. While... He was recording these ideas. I was thinking, these are terrible ideas. Yeah. These are terrible fucking ideas. And I thought that was going to be the theme. But then later in the episode, it seems like it was a good one. I I guess a snowball's chance in hell with the devil, with the snowball, is not... It makes it feel very refreshing. It's it's not a horrible idea, but when he's like, Jesus, that's not bad. I was like, really, Don? And I was surprised when everybody else thought it was really good later on in the episode. And it ends yeah. up carrying the day. I actually think it was less interesting than Ginsburg's idea. I th- uh, hitting people, hitting different people in and, the face with a snowball, and, I thought was and funny. maybe yeah. 
uh, juvenile, like Pete says. Right. Because, you know, there's a lot of shows where, like, say there's a show with a band, okay? Yeah. And, the, and they have original songs. For example, what was the fucking band that Charlie was in on Lost? Uh, they, they, every fuck, time they show their the hit, name, ba- hit song, I'm like, this you is... You all, everybody, that this, was the name of the song. Yeah, that's terrible. It's yeah. a terrible song. It would never oh, yeah. be top 100 anything, okay? Yeah, I think that was the joke, that he was like... Acted like more of a rock star than he was. What? But they, I think, in the show's universe, that was a legitimate hit. Okay, and uh-huh. I and I always have problems with sh- when shows do that because they're show writers, they're not music writers, they're admin, and typically their stuff mm. is terrible, and we have to pretend like it's good. All right. Yeah. Don's is usually the opposite. I mean, usually when you hear the ad pitch, you're like, "Fuck yeah, that's a good ad pitch." Yeah. Uh, I almost think Wiener didn't trust the audience enough to know that Ginsburg's was better and especially more appropriate for children. So mm-hmm. he made Don's deliberately more shitty or he hmm. tried to make it a little more average and it crossed the line to shitty. Cause I was just hating on it. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I thought it was okay, but just not as good. Okay. Uh, so Betty gets home and, uh, <laughs> what does she do? She shot the cream straight in the mouth, man. Oh yeah. Yeah. She gets home, she puts the kids to bed and then wham right to the refrigerator. Which anyone who hasn't done that, throw the first stone. I I have never done you that. You have never shot whipped cream straight into your mouth. I don't know, dude. No. You put it on things. It's like cool whip. Yes, I put it on my <laughs> tongue. Now I'm not disgusting. I don't I don't let I don't like wrap my mouth around the nozzle. I remind I, me I never open, to use your whipped cream. I open my mouth, there's a good half inch to inch separation from my <laughs> Oral cavity at all times and spray it like you're filling a crevice with great stuff foam. It's glorious. You should try it. Well, you keep filling your crevice. (laughs) I'll keep putting mine on ice cream or something. All right. Uh, Yeah. So obviously disturbed by what she saw at Don's place. Uh, Not happy that she's kind of left out in the cold and and Don's got everything he wants at home. Uh, question. So she, she binges then purges like the quickest binge purge cycle in history. (laughs) Yeah. Do you think that is going to be perhaps a theme that she's going to have some sort of bulimia? It's like going to develop, go into anorexia disorder. Yeah. uh, The other way. Right. Uh, maybe. I don't know how interesting that. that would be, but I don't know. I mean, Another eating disorder? Is that really what we want to see from Betty? I mean, it kind of fits with her character for sure. I mean, another eating disorder. Well, she's already got an eating disorder. No, she's just fat. No, she eats because she's unhappy. Well, that's a lot. A that's lot an of eating people. disorder. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. I guess then there's a lot of Americans with an eating oh, disorder. Oh, certainly. Yeah, okay. and I've been through that. Tons of people have been through that. Sure, sure. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, I could definitely see the character going that way, but it might be a little boring for me. Hmm. Yeah, I kind of worry about that too. Right. And which is why I don't think it's that big a deal. I think it's more like a, a crap. I can't do this kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so then, creative presents their snowball ideas to Don, and he tells him to work up Ginsburg and uh, one of his own, uh, which is the devil one that we mm-hmm. see later. Yes, even me. Uh, what do you think of Peggy's idea here? <laughs> it's terrible. Te- okay, good. and very old. It, it, it's uh-huh. it's very old school. Yeah, it's kind of old fashioned. Yes. Uh, Peggy is desperately trying to be seen as someone who's more creative than she is, I think, at this point. Like, really? She's hired Ginsburg, who's this phenom. She's working for Don, who it was or probably is still right. a phenom. Uh, 
she's, I think, feeling inferior to both of these guys now. And Stan's prediction that she's hiring her new boss when she hires Ginsburg is starting to come true. She's yeah. seeing that starting to take place. Yeah, It's totally. really bugging her. Which I think bodes ill for the people predicting that her and Ginsburg are going to get together. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, it's hard to... Uh, I, I don't know. It would feel unrealistic to me because I don't know any like work rivals that turn into a heated, passionate, torrid affair. I don't yeah. know. Seems a little weird. So yeah, I thought her idea was terrible. Mm-hmm. Ginsburg idea was great. And again, yeah. like even if you think get him, if you think Ginsburg and Don's ideas are roughly equivalent, mm-hmm. which is more appropriate for children? Which this oh, this thing is, is 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 pitched at right? It's more fun. Yeah. It's got the bigger laugh. It's bigger, splashier. Um, you know, I don't know, like Harry Crane saying that kids like stuff with the devil. I don't think Harry knows what anything. The first thing about kids, number one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't try add Harry. that to the list of shit. He has no idea about women, yeah. uh, television, <laughs> yep. uh, home cooked dinners. Home cooked. Di- yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, self-control when it comes to eating sliders <laughs> and now yep. children's advertising. Like yeah. really kids like Getting the devil. Autographs. He's got no idea about that. Yeah, yeah, right. Signing bands. Yep. So, uh, anything else to say about the scene? Uh, no, not really. Uh, what'd you think? Now, was, is Ginsburg fucking with Don here? Or is that just him without his filter? Just like, wow, that's actually pretty good. The right. Oh, I mean, I I thought that was him without a filter. It's a very backhanded compliment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and patronizing too. Uh, Certainly. Yeah. He's saying, hey, you've been lazy. You haven't done anything good to see you back and it, that's a good okay <laughs> you're putting a pot more positive spin on it than a, I a little bit yeah a little bit more positive than maybe ginsburg was i almost it. feel like ginsburg deserved to come up it's at the end and if they hadn't thrown mm-hmm. the scene in it would be totally like what john what what don did would have been like unforgivable travesty yeah but since he put that little slam in there it made it easier for the viewers to be more sympathetic to don yeah yeah i think you're right uh, so then Betty goes to her Weight Watchers meeting. She's lost half a pound in a week. Right. Uh, she's, I don't know. She's obviously just not feeling happy at all. She's got other things on her mind. She's got Don and Megan on the mind. Um, I don't know. Not much to say about this scene. Well, the Weight Watchers girl, too, you know, the, the group leader kind of droning on in the background, talking about thin people have bad weeks, too. Yeah. Which I think is I kind of got the point that that was talking about Don and Megan. Yeah. Oh, certainly. Yeah. I and mean, obviously uh, going back to the dark shadows again. I mean, right. Betty's these are not the things that they don't see. Right. Pe- Betty's not picking that up, but mm-hmm. uh, and also it shows her being a little bit out of touch because she told this thing as like a story of redemption or her triumph. Um, but really, I don't think she handled that situation as well as she's putting off because, the, mm-hmm. you know, the next scene uh, we see of her where she's basically doing something hateful to Sally and to Don and, and Megan through Sally. Yeah. It's like, yeah, uh, you don't deserve a pat on the back for that. No, definitely not. Congratulations on the half pound off and spitting up the whipped cream. But yeah, maybe find another outlet for the venom that's not binge eating. Yeah. Uh, so Megan and her friend are practicing her lines for an audition and, uh, Megan kind of laughs at, I don't know if she's laughing at the script or the way she delivers the lines or what I thought the way she delivered lines was terrible. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, I thought, man, she'd never get that part. Of course, I was wrong. Um, but Dark Shadows, that's the part that she's auditioning for, mm. is, you know, was kind of known as like a, a campy, over melodramatic series, too. So, I mean, oh, maybe that's the point. I'd never even heard of it. What's the, you know, it's the new Johnny Depp film, right? It's based okay, on that sure. series. Oh, gotcha. Which is weird yeah. that it, so it came, so this episode Dark Shadows debuted the week that that movie came out. Okay. Is that coincidence or did they actually, when they saw that it was mm. on the schedule, because they could have, she could have been, she could have been auditioning for any old Joe. Yeah, certainly. And they're just like looking at schedules like, wouldn't it be funny if... Yeah. It's a little bit more relevant to our modern times, you know? That's interesting. I, I don't know. Do you think there's any moolah exchanged hands? Yeah, no, I don't think so. I think maybe, if anything, they were just like, oh, this would be a funny coincidence. Well, I mean, Wiener's been all about the product placement, though. I mean, that's a big way that they fund the show. That's true. So it's not offensive product placement. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, how many people connected that because i didn't even pick up on the name of it i didn't know what she was auditioning for oh really uh yeah and even if i had i wouldn't have known like i mean i guess i'd seen the trailer for the new dark shadows but the old dark shadows i had never heard of i had never heard of either but i i just when i i made a joke on facebook about Mm -hmm. you know this week's episode of dark shadows no word about a johnny depp um uh cameo and then i did research on the show itself and i was like oh huh Hmm. so anyway um yeah so we haven't I, actually talked about the scene yet no we <laughs> so maybe we should yeah uh so her friend basically says oh you're up here in your castle you have plenty of security while you're out there doing your thing me i'm waiting tables whenever i can't get an acting gig well i think it's funny because peggy or i'm sorry megan when she's talking about peggy and all the other ad people how about cynical and bitter and all that stuff they were mm-hmm. and she's comparing them to her acting friends which were you know, free spirited, and you know this ragtag band of brothers crap. Uh, you presume, yeah. But now that she is married to Don, that is no longer really the case because she's not a struggling secretary or a waitress or whatever. She's married to a rich dude. Yeah, and she doesn't she, need the acting jobs. Not only that, but she's got so much time to practice. She can, mm. you know, fully get into the mood and take all these classes and not yeah. have to worry about money. I mean, that's a huge advantage. Certainly, yeah. Uh, but then Megan kind of comes back saying, hey, I want this just as much as you do. And it ultimately comes down to talent. So, you know, if I'm if I'm if I want it as much as you do, what makes me any worse for having the ability to go after it? Right. I don't think that's the case. I'm just saying that. I think her work environment is going to be somewhat poisoned because she's not oh, okay. going to see. She's you know, going to be like, kind of an outcast. She didn't fit acting. in. Yeah, she didn't yeah. fit in the ad world for because of her marriage to Don, and now she's not fitting into the acting world. It's not going to be all, yeah. you know, roses and and all so that. Her kind marriage of stuff. to Don is going to ruin her life. Is that what you're I saying? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying <laughs> that it's not going to be the easy transition. I think she thought it was. Don's going to ruin another woman's life. Right. Right. And also no, maybe certainly not. <laughs> also maybe that perhaps the ad people aren't as bad as she thought. That you know. Yeah. That, gotcha. They're just normal people, and everyone's cynical. Yeah, what? Right. Well, not not only that, but just yeah, yeah, yeah. If you never had to scrap and struggle and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, true. Uh, So Roger puts Ginsburg on the Manischewitz campaign. Uh, kind of sits him down and says, "Hey, I want you to take this over. We get uh, a couple of good jokes here." And oh, great! uh, (laughs) 
the best one. And then he gets blackmailed again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the best one. So you got the I, I, the best one wasn't even the 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 offensive material. It's when he's yeah. trying to explain why they're keeping a secret. And he's like, you see, Michael, when a man hates another man, very very much. Uh-huh. Uh, just like the you know giving the birds and the bees speech to uh-huh. a little kid. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was really because in a lot of ways Ginsburg is like a child. Sure, he's the new guy here at the firm, and right, he's the, the young guy too. So. And and Daddy Daddy uh, Warbucks is going to sit down and tell you how things are, and then hand you a pile of cash, and hand you a pile. <laughs> so it's down to two hundred. He keeps uh, what? So Harry got like eleven hundred, right? Peggy yeah. got seven hundred. Ginsburg's yeah. down to two hundred. <laughs> is that what it was? Two hundred? Yeah, two hundred. He said that. Okay, right. Yeah, yeah, and he's, then he says, i got to start carrying less cash, which we said a couple weeks ago, yeah. I think, when Peggy went after I him. I said he needs to keep a mugger's wallet, you know? <laughs> yeah. Maybe he did. Keep his real money in a sock. I, I mean, maybe that's what he keeps doing. He keeps scaling it back, but... Uh, it seems like it, yeah. I like this point, too, because... Or, okay, go ahead. This did seem a little kind of vindictive that he's going around, and he, I like that he explained it to make this all consistent. Hmm. With his LSD experience, um, that's like, look, I don't devote the energy to hating anybody. I'm just doing this for Bert, who hates him. Yeah, it's Cooper that hates him. Uh, the only thing I still haven't reconciled with is why he tried so hard at the awards meeting. Do you think, or the awards, and why he was so nonchalant about failing at that? And I remember, like two weeks ago, I'm like, if his big re- revelation, as mm-hmm. he explained to Jane, was, or maybe it was Joan, I can't remember. Uh, I didn't earn any of this. It was given to me. It was kind of like, yeah. you know, th- the, the game was thrown in my favor. Mm-hmm. Then why is he so cool with sitting back and, you know, earning earning all the um, all this new business on the backs of other people's hard work without him really doing anything? Uh, good question. I, I didn't really pick that part of it up. I thought that this was just an opportunity that was presented to him by Cooper. Well, maybe and, I'm and thinking something I'm that, trying to tie this into the head ski experience from last week. Okay. Where he's Where told Pete's like, Pete look, I don't, skis. this is my dream. You guys bust your ass and I do nothing. Yeah. That's, I still think maybe that's part of something he's conning, but then that doesn't jive with what he said this week, which is I don't dedicate, I don't waste my time hating people. Yeah. Something is inconsistent I, there, and I haven't figured it out yet. Well, I, I mean, even at the end of this episode where he slept with Jane in her apartment and he realizes he's ruined her new life now as mm-hmm. well, mm-hmm. Um, he's I, – I think he's internally conflicted in a lot of yeah. ways. Like, he, he wants to do good work. He wants to be of value to people, but at the same time, he doesn't have to. Right, and that old part of him is still there, saying, "Yeah, oh, I don't have to do anything, so I'll just keep sitting on the cash I have." Yeah, and he wouldn't be the first person who has important revelations about themselves and then fail to act on them. It just certainly, yeah. So, uh, so did you think that this scene had anything to do with the uh, Ozymandias, uh quote that we get later from Ginsburg? Because he says here, um, "What is in what that? way?" What say? I thought that had. He says basically that he's going to have to work for it and then give it away. Hmm. Uh, and that's kind of it, giving it away is not giving it up is not the the theme of Ozymandias. It's it's that you'll it won't last. Right. I think that's but more. I, I think that's. I thought that spoke more the it. Don story. But you might have something there with, with Roger. Yeah, Roger and Don have very similar arcs, though. Ro- yeah. So like, so so Roger's at the. Uh, Ruined statue, half covered in sand stage, but yeah. Don, you know, hasn't quite fallen that far into relevance. Yeah, he just built it, and now he's looking at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Okay. I, I, could, I can go along with that. Maybe a bit of a stretch. Uh, so we go back to Betty's house, the, the dark castle there. And over a midnight stake, <laughs> Betty uses her Weight Watcher's wisdom to cheer up Henry. Right. His name's Henry, right? Henry Francis? Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, yeah, this, it struck me as being straight from her meetings, her Weight Watcher's meetings. Mm-hmm. That's what it sounded like to me. Did you get yeah. that? Oh, God, yeah. Okay. Because the other thing is... I don't know if this is a motto. Betty's or... not the most self-aware person in the world. So she either got oh, this from no. Weight Watchers or her child psychologist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um... And I, I wrote the same things like, ooh, look at her spout her Weight Watchers wisdom. Mm-hmm. Um, but so that's other people. A lot of people were commenting on how supportive their marriage seems. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. I think it's very. Have e- we been conditioned not to buy it in the show? No. Well, I mean, maybe. I'm just saying that it's very easy to say words. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to live up. So being supportive, a lot of people don't. A lot of people make this mistake. Being supportive isn't saying words. Mm-hmm. Being supportive is backing those up with action. So sure. I want to see later on um, some shit go down with them and see how she reacts there. Plus, I just hate Yeah, Betty, no, so. no, no. I Absolutely. I think her side of it is totally disingenuous. But he, to me, I, I don't know if this is a politician thing or what, but he, to me, seems very genuine. Uh, I think he's oblivious. He just doesn't. He may be oblivious, but he genuinely loves Betty. Yes, yes, I'll t- definitely agree with that. And, and everything he says to her, like this is not a problem with you. I'm not worried about like I have to cook a steak at midnight. Mm-hmm. Not a big deal. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like he's totally genuine. So th- I just take for granted that Betty is not right. Well, and there's true, and there's a lot of subtext here about you know, look, Bets, I I backed her or Betty, I I backed her wrong horse. Ooh, and the look on her, her face, <laughs> <laughs> the look on her face, where you know she's thinking back to that seventy, you know, seventy third and Park apartment, and yeah. like, oh, maybe I did too. Yep. And then maybe. she she tries to throw the divorce. What a setback that is! And he's like, look, nobody cares about divorce anymore. Yeah. You know, so I think, and and her bitter little heart. A lot of people she thinks are are judging Don. Because he's got this young wife and he's divorced and all that stuff. And Henry's basically saying, nah, nobody cares. Yeah, they did it first. When when Megan and Don first got married, people were like, ooh, that's a well, little, I think there little is, strange. But now it's – people just take it for granted. Yeah, even even the company estate as like Heinz Beans doesn't, mm-hmm. doesn't care. Yeah. Heinz. So Heinz. <laughs> uh, anyway, anything else? Uh, no. Let's move on. Roger calls up Jane to ask her if she'll go to the Manischewitz dinner with him. Uh, ends up being a pretty expensive dinner because she asks him to buy an apartment. Yep. Uh, most expensive dinner ever, he says. This, to me, they are hinting so strongly that Roger's going to have money problems. Aren't they? Either that or they're just flaunting his wealth around the office and the town. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, again, so his wealth has been halved and then quartered. But we see the money in his pocket slowly declining, right? Yeah. Eleven, seven, four, two. It's going down and down and down. He says he's going to have to carry less. He's buying apartments. He's worried about her getting married quickly to cut off alimony. Like, right? I think he's going to have money problems, man. Yeah. I've been saying it from the beginning. Yeah. No, I, I, I think you're right. There is a lot of evidence that they are suggesting that that's going to be one of the, the plot lines moving forward. I I think so. I just have is I feel like I got a new revelation in that I was thinking about what we said on a podcast a couple weeks ago where 
Mad Men at its core is Don, Peggy, Pete, Joan, and Roger. Okay. Nothing can happen to those five people. At least until the last until season. The, yeah, because Weiner, Matt Weiner is using them to tell a particular thing about his little world. They're like our, our little you know, weather gauges for different things, okay? And different experiences in the human condition. Yeah. So I'm going to take all those people off the death chart. Okay. And uh, there's a couple listener feedbacks that have some persuasive evidence. Otherwise, I'm looking now at my, at, at minor characters and characters that are not those, I guess, Cooper. the big five. Cooper could die easily. Cooper, yeah. I could buy Megan. I could buy... Oh, Joan. I forgot to throw in Joan. I don't think anything can happen to Joan. No, you threw her in. Oh, I did I? Yeah. Okay, so is that a power five or power six? Uh, Don, Roger, Peggy, Pete, Joan. Joan? Yeah, I think that's five. it. Yeah, so we got those five. We're talking, you know, uh, Pete's wife could die. Mm-hmm. Um, Ginsburg could definitely die. Stan could die, although I don't see what that would give us. Harry Crane could die. He should die. Yeah. I hate him. Ken? I don't want Ken no, to die, Ken man. No, Ken shouldn't die. No, no. Uh, but Bert, the only Bert could be a target. Story. I was actually kind of surprised Bert didn't die off screen this season. <laughs> he's just come well, back I, and he's dead. That was one of the things we were talking about in the off season about uh, that they asked Weiner to cut some characters just to save. Because oh. that's that's easy payroll. Like, sure. you know, you cut a character, that's a couple hundred thousand, boom. Uh, so he would be an easy one to cut. Lane would be another mm-hmm. one to cut. Yeah, I feel like there's too much juice left in Lane's story. Do you? Because I almost, as as I was thinking this new formulation, I was thinking, uh, wow, there you talk about, characters are openly talking about how irrelevant he is at this stage. Mm-hmm. He's himself saying, like, look, you know, Joan could probably run this for mm-hmm. as much as they're doing without me. But they've set up a couple of things that they haven't knocked down yet. But his, that, the, 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 uh, the way that wraps up could involve him dying. How do you wrap up the Dolores thing with him dying? Dolores comes in and kills him. <laughs> that dude's total. Okay. That dude's straight right. mob. We already know that. The last five weeks of episode time, he's been spent. It's Sopranos. With Dolores. It's totally Sopranos. Yeah, yeah. He's probably he's get buried whacked. in the desert somewhere <laughs> right now. Uh, I don't know. He's we'll coming see. back next week. Do you see that? Yeah, pre- yeah. That's the one thing I'm the previews are good for. Yeah. They don't tell you a, sh- a damn thing about what's going on, but they at least tell you who's going to be in the episode. Yep. Uh, all right, let's move on to Pete's daydream about Beth. Mm-hmm. She strolls in, just a coat. She's totally naked underneath. Well, not totally naked. I guess she's wearing panties. Uh, half naked underneath. And uh, Pete's daydreaming. Now, this wrapped, this totally roped me in. This did not rope me like, for a up second. Up until she started spouting about the times. I, no, I even then. Up until it <laughs> up smash until cut to him. With his with his eyes with that stupid look on his face, I was like, "Holy <laughs> shit, this is happening!" Uh, no, I was just thinking, how the hell did she get in his office without him knowing? That'd be pretty easy to do. No, yeah. How do you get through the lobby, through all the secretaries? There's no way she gets in that office without him being aware that she's coming into his office. I don't know. I think I I feel like to this day it's so easy to get into where you're not supposed to be. If you just act like you know what you're doing and say something like I've got a surprise for Mr. Campbell or I'm an old friend and don't, you know, don't I'm just going to walk. I mean, you know what I mean? It'd be I one know, thing if man. he's a burly dude with like a 
army jacket on mm-hmm. or you know something like that that's intent but like a woman dressed like that i think she could talk her way into anything even with the secretary a woman who's obviously nude underneath she wasn't her obviously she naked was obviously no naked. i that's thing. i didn't get the fact that she was naked until she started showing her goods which uh, all right <laughs> uh, i had my notes because i can't separate her from her rory character from the gilmore girls and i was like no rory no uh it really hurts me to see her perving with peeve honestly that reference is lost on me yeah it's, seen, she's i, I watched her grow the, up man i've never seen the golden girls <laughs> I, I watched her grow up into an old woman <laughs> a vile old woman uh the mm-hmm. only thing the only saving grace about the scene is we did not get to see pete's boner in profile yeah that's good. i was really worried about that when we panned away to the couch that we we're gonna see mm-hmm. some elevation and i'm like oh, yeah. dodge a bullet well they, they also uh taped her coat shut Oh Take yeah, her coat to her body. Otherwise, oh, yeah. that thing's flapping in the wind. Oh yeah, there was a lot. There was a lot of <laughs> a double-sided tape employed Definitely. to pull that stuff off. Um, well, well done, but you know, well, yeah, well done. Uh, the one thing we didn't talk about with this episode is the time frame. We we know that we're approaching Thanksgiving now, so it's been a couple months since the last episode. Right, but that no, no, no. It was it was, uh, it was mid October, wasn't it? No, no, no. It was mid October. Oh, okay. We were preparing for Halloween, so it's, it's been, been about a month. It's been about a month. Yep. Yeah. Maybe a little bit more, but around there. And that's that's an interesting thing the show does is it skips around, uh, not skips around, but it advances. It covers the timeline some time, right? in Irregular periods, even in coming back from season to season uh-huh. and within a season. Yeah, but they always yeah. give you little breadcrumbs. Like, they do, but you have to look for them. It's never like, oh, well, this, it's 1968 now. Right, this one was a pretty blatant one in that it was mm-hmm. Thanksgiving. It certainly, yeah. But yeah, so, um, but also that article that they talk about was a real article in the New York Times. It was published on November 20th. Oh, okay. So there's a lot of stuff like that, but again, it's hard to miss Thanksgiving. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's pretty difficult. Right. Uh, so during the family tree project that Sally and uh, Bobby are doing, Betty decides it's a good idea to use Sally to disturb Don and Megan's relationship by bringing up his first wife, Anna. Mm-hmm. Don't forget your first wife. Oh, I got you there, Mommy. Oh, no, yeah. before me. It's it's cover your eyes bad. Like when I saw this, I was like, how can you how can you be this monstrous I know. and petty? I wanted to pile drive Betty into the floor. That right. was – she is the worst mother ever. Ever. Right. I've never seen a worse mother on television. Nah, People, uh, it's bad. Someone asked me the other day on Twitter, who uh, is the worst mother? Lori from Walking Dead. Betty. <laughs> now, wait a Betty damn from, minute. No, 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 no. Betty is much worse. Lori's just negligent and oblivious. Betty is actively trying That's to true. destroy her daughter. She's malicious. And the worst thing that happened to Carl is he could he could get his gut ripped out and turn into a zombie. Mm-hmm. But at least he'd die. And he wouldn't be aware of his torment. I mean, they're yeah. just, they're destroying. She's destroying Sally's soul. <laughs> she is. It's just the other option it. was uh, Skylar from Breaking Bad for wearing jeans. <laughs> Her mom <laughs> jeans. Yeah. No, she's a distant, very distant, very third. distant third. Yeah. Uh, I just feel like there's something else I should say. Uh, what did you make about the Bobby drawing the whale with the, the harpoon whale? <laughs> I was wondering, is that Betty? Like, is he well, drawing I mean, Betty? So it's a blue whale, and uh, Betty's wearing blue in the scene. Oh, she is. Okay. But why? I mean, first of all, the the, the whale got this huge smile on its face. Uh-huh. Like I'm enjoying my grisly death. Uh, I I feel like that's one of those things where 
maybe Betty read into it, but why in the hell would yeah. Bobby make a joke about his mom getting harpooned like a whale? I don't that, know. It seemed a little out of nowhere. I mean, obviously, it's. I think that that was maybe a, a, a wink at us, but I don't think Weiner intended it to mean anything. Except for Betty. Except for what Betty reads into it, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the kid was just drawing a silly picture, I think. And then, so it's like she was. She had like a subliminal dig on the front, and yeah. she flipped it over, and it was the right between the eyes. Yeah, it, hit the note from Dawn to Megan. Uh, not happy to see that. Uh, next scene, Ken and Pete are shown the ideas for Snowball, and Pete chooses Ginsburg's idea. Of course, he gives the reason that it's more juvenile, and that's the target audience. And- Pete did it. He explained precisely yeah. why Ginsburg's idea was better for Definitely. this product. Mm-hmm. Yep, and uh, Don didn't like that very much. No. Don was upset that he didn't get his work chose. Well, no, chose Pete with- wasn't making a choice. They were just... The creative was pitching the business the different ideas. It's kind of like a warm up, and the, you know, Don, it's it's Don's decision what to pitch. Pete was just giving his opinion. Really? Like Harry was saying, "Well, I like this," and Pete's like, "Well, I like that." And Ken, you know, yeah, it wasn't like, yeah, I guess that that's how it turns out right. in the end. Um, yeah, I I feel like there's a lot to talk about in the scene, but I don't remember. Well, they had the Ozymandias quote, yeah, uh, yeah, from Ginsburg, and the. Uh, Stan rightfully say you should read the rest of that poem, you boob. I do love when <laughs> yeah. people quote that as some, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you're not quoting that ironically about yourself, then you really do need to read the poem because you've. <laughs> that is not a poem you quote about yourself. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, definitely. All right, let's move on. Uh, Sally confronts Megan about Don's first wife, Anna. Mm hmm. Um,. And is a total manipulative bitch about it. Yeah, she is. Uh, Taking lessons from her mother, apparently, as well as Megan. I mean, she goes for the goddamn jugular. You're not special, and neither was Anna. Yeah. Uh, Who told you that? Someone who doesn't lie to me. Uh, And when every time, like, Megan's trying to make herself feel better and explain the situation, it's like, you're just digging yourself in deeper. That's a real bitch move, And the real problem here is that Megan can't lash out at her and fight back. She's a kid. Well, she, she does could, that. but then... She, she could, but what would that do with her relationship with uh, Sally long-term yeah. and Don as well? I mean, Megan is very self-aware, even with mm-hmm. Don. Like, later she says, this is what Betty wants. And I think that's that's what informs everything that, that Megan's de- doing here. Yeah. It's like, look, no, even, that, even though you're being shitty to me, I'm still your friend. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm showing you how an adult, a healthy adult, should behave. Uh, I'm not tolerating your bullshit behavior either. I mean, Megan did yeah. say, hey, you don't get to talk to me like that. So mm-hmm. she wasn't like a pushover about it. But, uh, you know, she did as best as she could, especially when you think of, you know, how many of those hits were hitting dead home on the Megan. I mean, it really hurt her. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she felt a lot of that. And then at the end, the are you going to make yourself cry? <laughs> Devastating. Brutal. Brutal. Oh, it's a bruta- total brutality. Yep. Feels like I'm watching a little Betty Draper. Now, there was a conversation on Facebook between the commentators, D. Gill and Kimberly, about why she targeted Megan and not Betty or Dawn for her rage. Now, I will posit that she was equally opportune opportunity bitch face because uh-huh. if don were staying she would have been shitty with him but it does seem that she went after megan why do you think that is uh well i think it's partially opportunity um 
And she doesn't have the strong connection with Megan yet. I mean, yeah, she's her friend or whatever, but when she sees a pattern of her lying, which, well, she thinks it's lying, then that kind of diminishes that. And her dad doesn't seem the type to talk about that sort of thing. Yeah, I feel uh, like... And, and she's certainly not going to take that tone with him. Sure, there, right. There was no one else for her to lash out at. Right. Be- you can't do that, Betty. And, and she was hurt Don. by the fact that she wasn't told. Right. Right. I think that it was kind of like, well, I think what you're saying, it was the target opportunity and the weak point. Yeah. Um, taking on Megan's easier and taking on your old man, especially when your old man's done. Yeah, certainly. Uh, another week at Weight Watchers, and Betty hasn't lost any weight. Just maintained. Yep. She's not that her weight short, stay the same. It's a short week anyway, so she's probably going to gain a half pound by the... What was that extra bite of midnight steak that did it? It was. Yeah. That midnight steak, it's just like gremlins. <laughs> Somehow. It's a half pound bite. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, not much to say about that one. Although, no, there is one, uh, one thing. The, the Weight Watchers lady mm-hmm. uh, is talking about how you shouldn't fill yourself you don't need to fill yourself with the food you can fill yourself with your family and your your children and your that is something that betty is not taking to heart at no all. yeah she's talking about how you have to have a plan to deal with it which is not just a temptation of eating but you know you could see that broadly as life in general like the temptation to mm-hmm. use your children to lash out at your ex-mate and like <laughs> i've been through a divorce yeah. it's you everyone's tempted to do that unless you just had like the world's perfect divorce uh, what separates you from the bastards and bitches out there is the resisting that temptation and always say like, I got to do what's right for the kid. No matter what. Yeah. I always have to keep my side of the street clean, no matter what the other person does and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you're right. She's incapable. You can almost see her zoning out. Yeah. When, when she's talking yeah, about she that. She hears it. And then she's like, uh, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, Megan tells Don about what happened with Sally and I think helps Don realize here what Betty's been doing the whole time, which is manipulating him. Right. I mean, maybe he, I don't think he recognized it before. Oh, I don't know. He was ready to call her up and that's exactly what she wanted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe this is the first time they've had that talk. I feel like maybe not. Oh, I felt like it was. Really? Yeah. Uh, It's not the first time Betty's done this though. Oh, certainly not. No. I mean, even the stuff where... She had cancer, or she thought she might have cancer before, um, and she calls up Don, and she wants to hear special things from him. Yeah. Like, that's even using him. Oh, yeah. And and he he felt obligated to do it for some reason. Uh-huh. Sure. Uh, but now Megan's kind of giving him the strength not to. Sure. So, I really like that, uh, that scene there. And we know that Sally's hearing them argue mm-hmm. about it. Um in the, the background. Uh, nice apartment, but it's got the world's thinnest walls. But yeah, it does. I mean, from her bedroom, yeah. you could hear everything. For a concrete building, you'd think. <laughs> a little thicker walls. Uh, but Sally hearing this is actually pretty important. Sally's pretty aware of what's going on and pretty pretty smart about how she handles this later on. Well, yeah, because, again, she's been taught to be a master manipulator. So when the one scheme, (laughs) the frontal attack didn't fail, then you flip it around and flank, you know, and that's what she's going to do. Yeah. Her mom's going to get a dose of her own medicine. Uh Uh-huh. Ginsburg pulls late night at the office to work on the snowball campaign, and uh, Peggy's there and kind of asks him about it. And he he dishes. He doesn't keep it a secret like Roger wanted him to. Mm -hmm. Tells Peggy what's up. Tells him that he got money, too. Yeah, Kinsberg. <laughs> Again, he's such a child. 
Yeah. Does he have any loyalties in, in this company I, at all? Good question. I feel like he's a rogue element in the company, just doing what he wants at all times. Mm-hmm. Um, not a whole lot to say about that. Uh, Pete calls Don in the morning to tell him the bad news about the New York Times article, and Don sets the record straight with Sally. Uh, they didn't even mention SCDP in the New no. York Times article. Which, again, as a real, real, real article, as you can still read on in New York Times online archive, uh, advertising mm-hmm. a science, an art, a business. Um, yeah, it's kind of a, a cool little thing they did there is they took an article that they knew didn't mention them. Right. Because it's a fictional company, yeah. obviously. And uh, they were just like, you know what? We could use a real article to... Yeah, to, it's a snub. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's I like I hadn't really thought of it that way. Um I really like how people were casual about answering phones back then. Like maybe just casual? me working in IT with a cell phone, but I'm conditioned like the phone rings, uh, especially in the day of like not having caller ID, you fucking answer the phone. You don't like uh-huh. get up. Oh, my wife left me a note under. Well, let me read what that is. Okay, look at the time. Oh, I guess the phone's ran like six times now. Pick it up. <laughs> yeah. You just let it ring. You you figure they're probably in the middle of something or sleeping that early in the morning. Right. Plus, I got to say, Megan's note, weak sauce compared to Don's note. Oh, yeah. That's how Come you on. leave I'm coming back message. Yeah, the light bulb. Yeah, the little, that little half-assed heart's not going to do nothing for no. you, Megan. Bagels? Bagels aren't going to do it. Mm-hmm. Even New York bagels. No. No. <laughs> uh, next scene. Peggy complains to Roger because he didn't uh, come to her with help for Manischewitz. Mm-hmm. Um, and here again, I think this is Stan's prediction coming true. Uh, this guy's going to be your boss someday. If he if he holds it together, man. Like I said, rogue element. This guy's a little unstable. Man, Ginsburg can't be anybody's boss. Give me a break. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I guess he could grow, do some growing but, but up But Peggy stuff, can certainly but... fear it, you know? Peggy. I mean, with all the great work he's doing. Sure, sure. I think Peggy could definitely be a creative director. I don't think Ginsburg ever could. Yeah. Ginsburg seems resigned to be the prima donna talent. Mm-hmm. That's just my take on it. Oh, certainly. Um, is there anything else we want to talk about here? Uh, I don't think so. Did we talk about... Uh, so this is the scene about uh, them in the elevator, this is the right? One in the elevator, yeah. Uh, I also thought there was another commentary on the kind of reverse racism where she's like, you know, why did you have to get a Jew to pitch the Jewish product? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not an airplane. Not, yeah. mm-hmm. So, and that I think that's a little bit kind of a reaction from her with the like the playtech stuff from two weeks ago where she's pigeonholed as like the woman whisperer mm-hmm. you know and like yeah. ginsburg's allowed to step out of that box and he can pitch women you know and say like oh i understand women and all that kind of stuff and and be taken seriously but she feels like maybe she isn't yeah so i don't know that's so all right. also matt weiner uh, said that when uh, in, in a preseason press conference said that when Roger here says it's every man for himself mm-hmm. that that was his vision of the season's theme. Huh. Okay. So I think that's interesting that the creator himself said that's the theme for the season. Yeah. Uh, next scene, Don makes the executive decision not to pitch Ginsburg's idea on the mm-hmm. way to uh, the meeting in the cab. Real quick question. Yeah. The, several listeners said that the devil reminded them of Don. The way they like drew him, wise? yeah. I didn't get uh, that. I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, mm-hmm. Me either. So okay, I just wanted I just wanted to run it by you. See what you thought. <laughs> uh, Betty finds out that her plan to manipulate Don didn't work when uh, Sally tells her that they explained it, and showed family pictures, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, no problem. So I take that as Betty did not think Betty. 
Betty probably thought that Don didn't learn anything from their relationship and was totally bullshitting Megan. Uh-huh. And that was going to be a bomb. Yeah. And it turned out it just da- – all it did is damage Megan and Sally's relationship at no cost to Don because he had already told Megan all those things. Yeah, and – and I think it enlightened Sally a little bit as to how much of a bitch her mother it really is, like what she's doing to her. Right. I mean, certainly Sally knows, has right. known for a while. Oh, yeah. I mean, the first time she slapped but her across really the face, But this really drove probably. it home. But yeah, the whole, like, daddy showed me pictures, and they spoke very fondly of her. Yeah. That's just... Yeah. And she knew how to play that just right. <laughs> and you see Betty then backhanding... I like to think it was a box uh, of bugles. Probably. <laughs> so she's abu- she goes Smashed from abusing food metaphorically to literally. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, then we have the Manischewitz dinner with uh, Roger and Jane. And uh, the the son, Bernard, I think is his name, comes mm-hmm. waltzing in, does a little uh, talking about boats, kind of impressing Jane a little bit. Yeah, pretty forward with another man's wife, I thought. Yeah, yeah. Because he certainly thinks they're still... Uh, happy mm-hmm. couple right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Roger takes pause at it. At, I felt that he should. Like, if he didn't take any pause when the guy comes yeah, in and hits the on his wife. Yeah, the jig would be up. Yeah, you'd think, okay, something's weird here. But I also don't uh, think he was 100% playing that either. No, 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 no. He genuinely was like, hmm, I don't like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, we're running long, so I'm kind of skipping over yep, yep, a lot I get of stuff you. here. Uh, Harry returns from the snowball meeting and drops the bomb that Don didn't even pitch Ginsburg's idea. And Peggy loves it. Peggy's in uh, hog heaven there. I thought Peggy and Stan both are like, yep, Don can be a dick like that. <laughs> you thought it was going to be one way and it's the other. And Peggy's just happy to see Ginsburg getting knocked down a peg. Right. So that was that was funny. Put a smile on my face as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the ride home from the Minnesota dinner, Roger asks to see the apartment that he's buying Jane. And when they get there, Roger works his magic. Mm-hmm. As he always does. And I thought, I called that from the beginning. We were watching it mm-hmm. together, and I'm like, he's going to steal the deal here. Yeah. And you're like, I did. don't know. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> uh, some soft protest by Jane, but uh, he's able to over, yeah. overcome it. Yep. Uh, and there's a short scene with Pete and his travel buddy talking about Thanksgiving. Pete is not happy that, uh, that what is that guy's name? Do you remember? Yeah. He's such a minor character. Howard. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he's not happy that Howard is neglecting yeah, I wish Beth. we had time to talk more about that, because mm-hmm. why do you think that is? He's doing to Howard, he's doing to his wife exactly what Howard's doing to his. Yeah. Is he pissed just because Howard's doing it completely without any sense of guilt at all? Or that, I that, think so. That yeah. Howard is doing it and seems like he's happy and satisfied in it, whereas Pete, he could fuck every woman out there and he'd mm-hmm. still want more. I, I think that's a big part of it. Pete is just unhappy. Right. Pete, Pete doesn't like to see other people happy because he's unhappy. I mean, he can't. He's got no moral high road here. It's no. got to just be the hating that he's got something that he wants. That's my guess. All right. Uh, then Ginsburg confronts Don in the elevator about the snowball campaign, and Don puts him in his place. Uh, this is that awesome scene where we see Ginsburg just getting beaten by Don. And he, he's he he's like the guy that won't, won't stop getting up in a fight. Yeah. He's like, rocky. Yeah, like, he gets up and <laughs> Don... Apollo Creed's like, what the hell? Yeah, you know, it's like, uh, I got a million ideas. Well, that's good, because it's, you work for me. It's uh-huh. like, well, I feel sorry for you. I feel nothing at all. It's like, stay down. Stay down, <laughs> punk. You know, take it easy on yourself. Throw in the towel. Uh, do you think that upset Ginsburg at all? Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, especially... Ginsburg is a needy little dude. Obviously, so. he craves attention and recognition and yeah. for people to think that he's smart. I mean, he's got a lot of his self-worth invested in that. So, yeah, having somebody uh, 
dismiss your work and then say, I don't think about you at all. Mm-hmm. Now, the other thing is that's a, that's a giant big fat lie. Oh, yeah. He's the Don's pants are on fire. He's dangling off an electric (laughs) wire. Yeah, we've seen him throughout this entire episode worrying about Ginsburg. Oh, yeah. And I thought both of their expressions were kind of priceless in this because Ginsburg's Mm -hmm. kind of like, he's so pissed that he forgets to get off the elevator. Yeah. And Don, you know, as he's walking to his office, has got that kind of like, I. I, I, Well, we'll look at. Look at Don's face as he's walking to his office. And what's missing from this scene? Megan. Megan. Right. It's the Draper How walk. How miserable is he now? Right. Now that he's got to get his head back in the advertising game. Right. And he can't be off in the clouds with Megan. He's miserable at this point. Mm. He was happier when he had that head in the clouds. Certainly. Yeah. So I find it interesting also that that walk has now turned into something. We we see by the absence of the kiss at the doorway yeah. of her office. Uh, that walk is still significant. Yep. So, interesting. Uh, Jane tells Roger that he's ruined the new life that she was trying to start, uh, and Roger is kind of struck by that. Uh, feels really bad about it. Getting a nice el- evolution of his character. He still yeah. is Roger and doing stupid Roger stuff, but he is aware of it now. Yeah. And, and apologetic and he feels for bad. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas before, As he, he just be. went, eh, well, whatever. As he should be. He took something that meant really nothing to him. Yeah. It was just a... You know, it's just a bang for him, but now he's fucked up the new... Because I, I, I will say, it's legit. Like, wanting to move on to a different living experience after you've broken up with someone, it's 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 bad. It's like, if you're mm-hmm. stuck with the house, it's like living in a mausoleum of a relationship. Yeah. So, I totally... Uh, I didn't mention that, but I didn't think Jane was bitchy or needy or selfish for wanting a new apartment. Yeah. And... Conversely, I do think that Roger is extremely selfish when, when he took advantage of her here. Definitely. Uh, then we get a scene where Megan's preparing Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, this w- We actually have some feedback about this toxic air yep. stuff, so we'll get to that later. Yep. Um, but the last scene is Thanksgiving at the creepy Francis Castle. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, this place just feels dreary. I think it, it feels really like the like, Godfather's house. That felt that, dreary that, too. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying, right? Yeah. When they're having their family dinner around that, it it's all kind of dark and, and serious yeah. at all times. Yeah, like no fun can be had in that house. Mm-hmm. They have no. to go in the fucking yard in on July Fourth, right. To have any fun, you can't build a a couch fort in that house. <laughs> no. It would spontaneously combust if you tried. <laughs> Gravity doesn't work the same or, way. Or we'd like that house from like in, in is a poltergeist that like kind of can twist it in on yeah, itself and turn yeah. it into a single point and disappeared. Or maybe that was actually the movie House. Anyway, I, I don't know. I, I that's what would happen. House. You build a couch fort in that yeah, house. It just implode. Yep. And that's it. We get a shot of Betty. It's built on the graves of too many Indian chiefs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hit them with one too many snowballs. Yeah, that's right. Um, well, the, the thing ends on a shot of Betty being, getting her one moment of happiness when she eats whatever that was, Brussels sprout or something that actually tasted good. She's eating all the shit that she hates throughout the entire episode. Well, then right. she gets one bite no, I'd of, see, I of the things she loves. Got a total, total different take on really? that. Really? Okay, bring it. I give January Jones a lot of shit for being a bad actress because mm-hmm. a lot of times she is. Okay. And not just on this show. She was terrible in the X-Men movie too. Um, but I thought she did such a great job at conveying, like, I'm going to put a brave face on this. I'm going to enjoy it. And then like midway through that bite of casserole or whatever she's eaten, letting the kind of disappointment in that this is all, this is all I've got. This is all I've got. And yeah. it's not enough. Hmm. Okay. Uh, 
you know, I've, I have everything I want, which is true. She mm-hmm. did have everything she wanted, but no one has anything better. That's a, that's a complete lie. Okay. And that's it. That's the episode. That is the episode. Okay, why don't we do some feedback? We have a, I think the French call it a shit ton of feedback yes, this week. Yes, le shit ton. Le shit ton. And uh, as we said last week, I mean, I'm going to try to do my best, but obviously um, duplicate stuff type emails I'm going to have to be a little hardcore on. And yep. uh, stuff that, especially if you said something last week that got disproved this week. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll be, There's really no point. Yeah, I'll be like a dick just rubbing your face like, ha yeah. ha, wrong take. Didn't work out for you, did it? No. Uh, Stall <laughs> McIntyre says, with a bit of backstory on the Tomorrow Never Knows from last episode, John Lennon, I said that he wrote that based onto the Betton Book of the Dead. He set me straight. Mm. John wrote that adapting lyrics from the book, The Psychedelic Experience, a manual based on the Tibetan Book of the Dead by Timothy Leary, Richard Alpart, uh, and okay. Ralph Metzer. Uh, he said that the book held that the ego death experience under influence of LSD and other psychedelic drugs is essentially similar to the dying process and requires similar guidance. Interestingly enough, when John and Don puts a record on a turntable, he puts it on the third song of the LP, not the last, which is where Tomorrow hmm. Never Knows resides on the track listing. The third song on that side is called For No One, a Baroque pop song about the end of a relationship. Uh, a McCartney number, the lyrics in enigmatically with a love that should have lasted years. The song's working title was Why Did It Die? I think Wiener is far too omniscient for this to be a mistake or an oversight. Really, John Hamm doesn't know how to put the needle on the last track. Also, if you recall, according to Don Draper's spurned ex, Dr. Faye Miller, Don only likes the beginnings of things. I guess yeah. we've seen the beginning, but is it of the end? But he skipped the beginning here, just like he did with Megan. Hmm. There was no beginning for them. They just jumped right into it. Yeah. Hey, uh, Disneyland trips working out great. Marry <laughs> Let's me. Get married. Uh, yeah, that's crazy. Like that a lot. Nick says, "Here's my call for the season finale of Mad Men. My guess it's Megan that goes. Don clearly loves her and was heartbroken when she left the relative safety of his watch. Uh, think, uh, think of the talk of girls getting murdered in earlier episodes. Then Megan is out at night doing additions and classes in NYC. A bad recipe for a pretty girl and crazy times in an unsafe city. Also think of the image of her lying prone in the acting class." His take is she gets murdered and Don goes back to his ways. I like that you can just describe all of Don with his ways. His ways. Not just his womanizing ways, not his alcoholic ways, (laughs) not his – it's just his ways, the Don Draper way. He's all of the ways. The way of the Draper. (laughs) Uh, And ultimately ends back with Betty next season. Oh, God. No. He says – I'll stop watching if that happens. What? Yeah. Why else would Betty need a storyline? She clearly wants Don, and he just might get depressed and desperate enough to go back with her. Ooh. uh, I could see it happening. I could, too. That's the worst part. I could, too. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Okay, moving on. I hate Betty so much. Uh, Carrie Whitmer says, in the Lazy Lazarus, Lazy Lazarus, (laughs) Lady Lazarus podcast, you mentioned that Pete is incapable of love, but I disagree. I just finished rewatching season two, and in the finale episode, Meditations in an Emergency, Pete tells Peggy that he loves her and wishes he'd chosen her. I think Pete really is genuine about those feelings towards Peggy, and since I just watched the episode, Pete's misery throughout the season makes more sense. He goes to work every day and sees this woman he has been with in love, in love with for years now, knowing she gave away their child, kinds of resents him, and will never love him back. He deserves it, but it's still kind of sad, especially because Trudy is so great, but in his eyes, she'll never be as perfect as Peggy. What do you think about that take? 
Um, I don't know. I don't know, man. Uh, I don't. I still think if Pete was with Peggy, do you think he'd be happy with her? That's the problem. No, that, yeah. I, I think the root of Pete's problems is Pete. Well, like his, his ambition, his desire to want to have everything rather. Like Harold said, the grass is always greener. If he was with Peggy, yeah. he'd probably think, man, I wish I'd married uh, Trudy. She was more with my station. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think maybe that I can't remember if that was a point where his parents had already died in the car in the in the plane crash. But I don't know. If so, I think that had a lot to do with it because probably a lot of reason he married a girl like Trudy is to not disappoint his parents. Mm, yeah, and that's kind of expected of him. But again, if he—that's Pete's thing. He's just not happy. So if he married Peggy, I disagree that he would have been magically happy. She says, "P.S. Matt Weiner's directing a movie with Amy Poehler, Owen Wilson, and Zach Galifianakis. That's filming in my hometown of Winston Salem, North Carolina. What is that? That is be? some kind of fucking movie right there. I don't know what it is or what it's about, but I want to see it." I wonder if it's even a comedy. It's got to be. Uh, with those, with that cast, I would think so. But I could. Does he direct comedies? I think he does could he direct anything. Comedies? I think you can direct. Uh, come on, if you're talent, you could direct any. You can write or direct anything. Maybe we can't podcast about comedy. No, that's <laughs> true. Uh, he is. He has been seeing seeing eating at the restaurant I ate at at my uh, senior prom night. I feel like he knows me now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is there a picture uh, of you up on the wall in that restaurant? Yeah, we need to see that for proof. We need, we need the Polaroid. Steal it for us. Uh, Anne from Huntington Beach says, what does the elevator scene mean? But I really uh, got people stirred up with that. Which, by the way, that wasn't something I noticed. That was something I picked up off on Reddit. So I don't want to take the credit for that. Um, Talking about the 666 thing yeah, that we talked about last week? Yeah. Uh, she says, what does that scene mean? I feel like it was also alluding back to Ken's robot bridge story, how one small mechanism starts prun- uh, functioning properly, and it can mean death to innocent people. Hmm. I like that. Good yeah. take. Jamie T says, Ginsburg, sexy or adorable? She votes adorable. He's <laughs> I like, <vote> neither. <laughs> well, I'm not a woman, so I couldn't say. Uh, or attracted to men. I try to be. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to PC. be open-minded here. Yeah, Say uh, in the '60s. Come on, he's like a very small child. It's cute. Ginsburg reminds me of the people who use sarcasm so much that you can't tell if they're being serious anymore. I'll co-sign on that. With Ginsburg, mm-hmm. sometimes I can't tell if he's pretending to be clueless to meet his ends, or he's just clueless, or if he's really an alien. <laughs> Mary J said, "You asked where is Lane? He's been playing a villain of epic proportions on Fringe, but his character died last week. Spoiler." So maybe he'll be back on Mad Men soon. You know, until I started doing podcasts and kind of paying attention to what goes on behind the scenes, I had no idea how much contractual obligations influence storytelling. Yeah. Like, you know, talking with Taylor uh, on Justified, like, you know, we only get Dickie for three episodes. Mm -hmm. We only get Winona for three episodes. You have to make those appearances count. Yeah, and and even stuff like oh we can't get the location we wanted. Well, we got to rewrite right you know, half of the the episode. Right. So I feel like yeah, there has been some things hanging open the lane. But if they only get him three or four episodes, they have to make the most of that. And so far, you got to say when they put in Lane, there's been big Lane story. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, moving on, Diana R. says, regarding Pete's comment about how women get to decide what happens next, I also think he's airing a general complaint about his relationship with Trudy. So far, she's pushed him to do a ton of stuff. Uh, for example, moving into the apartment, having a kid, moving to the suburbs that he didn't want to do. And I wouldn't be surprised if she pressured him into getting married either. 
Uh, also, wasn't there a storyline where she urges him to ask his father for money? Mm-hmm. Yes, there was. Um, in this way, I'm sure Harry can relate. Uh, in other words, or example, for his wife has him on a diet, and that's why he agrees with him. Uh, I think Pete feels powerless in the relationship and is taking it out wherever he can. He definitely misses the old Trudy and is desperately trying to spice up his life with some romance or novelty, thinking he'll improve it somehow. Uh, agree with the former. Again, I don't know that. I get. Uh, no, he he's. I want to stick trying. to my guns. Pete's doesn't is is incapable of loving someone. Certainly, but he he is looking. I, I think that's what the listener. I'll put saying. that out that maybe something that he's attracted to Peggy is. I think she's got a similar problem. She has Maybe. very weird yeah. relationships with everyone. Yeah, certainly, yeah. So, uh, Gail Roy uh, put in, my prediction, Pete's going to kill himself in a car. The evidence is mm. of the following. She goes, it's probably going to be a suicide, but we'll be wondering if it was or not. Uh, Pete's novice driving. Beth yep. pointing out he's a horrible driver. All the references to mechanized death. Uh, you know, the elevator and the car crashes and Signal 30. All those references to suicide, the insurance, and the death in other episodes, his behavior was depressed and narcissistic, his unhappiness and dissatisfaction with suburban life. Uh, Tomorrow Never Knows, the song for this episode starts a journey that continues into June 1967 when Sgt. Pepper's band came out. The last song on the album, Day in the Life, with its reference to he blew his mind out in a car, which itself is a reference to a young, rich English socialite who was killed in a car crash. That's why I think Pete is on a path to death in June 1967. Wow, that's awfully specific. Put that up on the board <laughs> under Gale. Yeah, I like it. That's a prediction. I like it. I do too. Uh, Diamond Rather says, I usually wait for the DVDs to come out, but your guys' coverage has made me give in and buy season five on iTunes. I just finished watching Signal oh. 30 and has a controversial opinion. What's up with all the Pete hate? He's my personally favorite <laughs> character ever since season one. I hope he doesn't bite the dust this season. I foresee him being a very important and vital character. Favorite to watch or you like his character? Yeah, I need you like, to elaborate on that a little bit, Diamond, because I can understand him being watchable yes, and interesting. he's eminently watchable. And he I is indispensable to the show, which is why I've kind of turned around and said I don't think he's going to die. But mm-hmm. if he's your favorite just from likability, that's a tough yeah. sell for me. Yeah, maybe you man. can maybe you can uh, illustrate to me the the error of my ways. Rebecca Walker says in the kitchen scene where Megan is cooking, she comes to kiss Don and says, "Don't get used to this. There's going to be a lot of crying from rejection." She's implying she will want Don to console her after she loses her acting jobs, and he should not get uh, used to home cooked meals. But one cannot help but see the weaving of the Megan leaving Don double meaning in there as well. Mm. Nice catch. Yep. Uh, Randall Jaffe. Uh, says he's in Vietnam from 1967 to 1969. Thank you for your service. Although there was no le- legally no segregation in armed forces, there was de facto segregation. Everyone worked together, but in off hours and bars, there's very little mixing. I was from Cleveland and was very integrated. My buddy from Mobile, Alabama, would never stop to pick up a black GI and got all upset when I was driving and did give our fellow soldiers a ride. Uh, so this was a counterpoint to what we're talking about. Uh, Jones husband. Yeah. Um, shit. I can't remember his name. The captain. Yeah. Him making the comment that he's, he's been with plenty of the people over there and right. they're all good guys. I wonder if that's like a blue state, red state thing where like the military experience you got, if you were from the North or the coasts was different than if you were from the deep South and still brought those prejudices hmm. in the service with you. I don't know. Uh, he seems to hint it. Uh, I'm getting the. It's interesting how many people see this show as nostalgic. 
Like he's the second person. Uh-huh. It's like I was in high school when all this stuff was happening, and like yeah. I remember all these things. I wonder. Are our times interesting enough that in 20 years or 30 years, they'll make a series about it and we'll be like, oh, yeah, I remember that. I feel uh, like – Maybe. I feel like all the really important stuff happened before our lifetime or will probably well, the, happen in my son's the lifetime. The 80s are already coming back up, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, but it's like what? The, I, I was super young in the 80s. The 80s was defined by greed. I, I do, The one thing I think is, is happening is the whole um, – you mentioned the 80s. Uh-huh. It reminds me of the movie Philadelphia with Tom Hanks. Have you mm-hmm. watched that recently? I've never seen it, actually. It's already a fucking trip to go back okay. and see what was considered mainstream attitudes about gay people and homosexuality. Mm-hmm. It's like, whoa, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's like this little time capsule of um, prejudice. Yeah. So I think, if anything, you could make a kind of retrospective about that, maybe. But what else important well, has happened in our time? Uh, gay rights is a huge. That's what thing I'm saying. Happened. Yeah, um, but also like the rise of the internet, uh, te- like the technology boom. Moon landing. As- it's not Jim. Is what I'm saying. Oh, you don't think the internet is the moon landing? No, I think it is. No, I think it might be bigger than the moon landing. No. Yeah. You don't got little kids in Africa telling stories about you know. I don't use r- the moon landing every day. <laughs> I start my day every 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 morning with a glass of Tang, thank you. I think there are plenty of things happening this generation that will be talked about and have made huge impacts on history. Uh, this is going to span a shitload of mail that we're not going to be able to have time to read, so let's <laughs> move true. on. All right. Uh, Jason Nattercast had his typical lengthy, insightful email, which I had to cut down to just a couple of paragraphs. You can read the whole thing on ballmove.com under right. the lazy, Lady Lazarus, lazy Lazarus story. <laughs> lazy. Uh, about Pete, one of Freud's major theories was that society was formulated precisely to prevent everyone just raping everyone else. Freud believed that we have these impulses and that we need society to regulate our behavior, and thus we live in a constant state of frustrated discontent. Either okay. – uh, yeah, he, he said Eddie uh, Bernays took that thesis, uh, who was one of the first admin, and used it to sell everything from cigarettes to instant cake mix. What we're seeing is in Pete is a story akin to a drug dealer who starts getting high off his own supply. Admin like Bernays and his fictional counterparts at SCDP are skilled at identifying and often creating discontent in order to exploit it. I mean, can any of us say that our dishes are really shiny enough? I know I will not be happy until my dishes sparkle brightly enough to be to down low flying aircraft. Yeah, uh, it's, Pete, it's those those vacuum bags under your bed commercials, right? Have a trouble like organizing your socks? Right. Vacuum them and stick them under your bed, right? Does this happen to you? It shows a guy trying to open a jar and he like sp- drops it and yeah. spills it or cuts and, his hand open. Yeah. Uh, Pete is transitioning from hustler to Mark. He's had a certain lifestyle advertised to him mostly by Don. And like many people who try to use materialism to create happiness Hmm. rather than simply stave off misery, he has ended up being miserable. Of course, Pete doesn't see that Don is ultimately just as miserable as he is, but Don never really seems to expect to be happy. It's a pretty interesting take, I thought. Yeah, I feel like there's, uh, yeah. The getting high on the supply of discontent, I think is great. I think it's dynamite. And there seems to be a certain divide between people in this series who always see the negative, like Pete, like uh, everyone Betty. but Megan. <laughs> well, and no, and Roger Ro- now. Roger, yeah, Roger's Roger, become a. That was what I was going to say. That LSD trip with Roger really kind of opened his eyes a little bit <laughs> to to what he was doing. Uh, on the new stuff about the new show, Dave Lopez said, I think my favorite part of the episode was Ginsburg's conversation with Don in the elevator. As a military man, I understand the lesson Don was teaching because I had to learn it too. 
Obsessing about the decisions of your superiors in general is a pointless exercise because they don't spend one fucking minute outside the office thinking about you or your feelings. It'd be exciting to see Ginsburg leave SCDP at some point and become a rival, but not a smarmy rival like the guy that crushed during the Honda pitch, but an equal, maybe even more than that. Uh, I like that. I do think the slight flaw is that I do think Don spends a lot of time thinking about Ginsburg. Yeah. And I know that as That's a ma- why he goes into the office at night and works on his campaign. As a manager myself, I I spend not an inordinate amount of time, but I spend a, a time thinking about my employees and worrying about what they think, and you know, because I think that they're you have to do the right amount of worrying about what they think about you, or you can't be an effective leader. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, that's my. But you can't be obsessed about it either. Uh, Captain Noel Albano writes in guest tonight's theme was vampires, how they vicious prey upon the weak. We also have a email that blows that theme wide open. It's awesome. Uh, I'm just thankful for a few more moments of Ginsburg screen time. She does speaking of discontent says there's a magic from season one through three that isn't here anymore. Maybe it's Weiner's intent. We're supposed to share the sentimentality that older characters do. I think much of the heavy symbolism comes just off as too cutesy and Don is no longer a watchable character for me. What do you think? Hmm. I still find Don very watchable. Uh, I guess it's like the same thing with Breaking Bad. If you like Breaking Bad because you're rooting for Walter White, you are going to have a bad time. If you mm-hmm. got into Mad Men because Don Draper was cool and suave and you enjoyed watching yeah. him operate in a world, you are probably getting pretty disillusioned at this point. And if you want to see him redeemed, eh. Yeah. I don't know that you want to hold out for that. Right. Uh, <laughs> Cynthia Brooks says she likes the little touches like the TV that played in the background at the Thanksgiving Day Parade. That picture is very wavy because of the rabbit ears, just like it would have been for someone who lived in New York City. Mm-hmm. We always talk about that. We're watching the show on this high-definition plasma. It's gorgeous. And every time they show a TV in the real world, it's a piece of shit. Yeah. It's like, thank God we're living in the golden era of television. Uh, she also liked uh, the Weight Watchers meeting. She thought that the um, the well-meaning but not very effective support from the meeting leader was dead on. And I agree. I actually have been. There was a Weight Watchers group at our work oh, uh, okay. and that I joined a couple of years ago. And I thought it was almost enabling people to stay the same. And I think it comes down huh. to whoever's leading your group. Mm-hmm. But in my opinion, it just—I felt like the whole group was just enabling everyone to do what they're doing, and excuse, everything was easy excuses, and no one was held accountable. And weird, yeah. So anyway, uh, Gil Wall, wouldn't it be funny if the artwork that got left in the cab comes back to haunt them? How would it come back to haunt them? Yeah, I'm. I'm trying to think how it might. The only thing, I had an idea. No, like if Snowball somehow that got turned into Snowball corporate headquarters because it's got snowball right the fuck on it mm-hmm. and they're like well we like this thing this pitch even better yeah who wrote this yeah and they find out it's ginsburg why and did then- you bury that you know it's like that mm. maybe that would come back to haunt them maybe uh, i don't think it's going We've, to we have seen things left in cabs being returned sure that wallet that's earlier. true maybe that's some foreshadowing maybe so uh, he continues, I think there will be comeuppance for Don. Uh, this is probably what all the hell and devil references are pointing to. His life will be coming hellish, or maybe he will play the role of Satan and create hell for other people. <laughs> maybe so. Yes, even Don. Uh, hell for Ginsburg. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Eric Tobb says, I do like the way Don put the smackdown on Sally after Sally got and Megan all tied up in knots. The people has not yet become the master. Uh, I had a slightly different take in that I thought that Sally wasn't particularly 
going to do anything. She was just trying to affect people and mm-hmm. be seen as a grown up. And at the end of the day, her dad did treat her like a grown up. Yeah. So did. I think she got what she wanted. So uh, Lisa Langford uh, says Sally was busy trying on identities this episode, like uh, any almost teenager should. She was all minx like and uh, gaming, gaming. When she was with Megan at the beginning of the episode and then morphed into a bitter little replica of the bitch of her mother after Fat Betty set her up. I'm no Megan fan, but she does show a surprising amount of self-awareness and maturity when dealing with Betty and the kids. Megan Kinney wrote, uh, uh, did anyone catch the animal, uh, animal Farm reference? And we already talked about that. Um, and I just want to make sure she got credit for it. She continues, is Don the devil or is Don the one snowball that can survive in the hell that is the late 60s? Or is Megan the one snowball who can survive in Don's personal hell? Or does she have indeed a snowball's chance in hell? <laughs> All very good questions. Yes. I'm not sure. Uh, it's, it's mixing it up so much. Uh, Tina says this. she thought this week's themes was read between the lines. Uh, as Don stares at past campaigns, he wakes up from his mega-induced ha- haze and realizes that he hasn't ha- done any work. It's been a year since he'd done any serious writing. Yes, it has, Don. The last time we saw any work from you, it was a fuck-off letter. By the way, where the hell is Sal? Um, I'm assuming she means... I mean, the last we saw him, he was going into a park for some anonymous gay sex. Mm-hmm. Clearly not something you want to see somebody in his, his position doing. Um, do you think we'll ever see Sal again? Uh, I, no. Really? I'm like... Don, I don't even think about him anymore. <laughs> uh, Jamie T says, I feel a little disloyal to both Mad Men and Don Draper for saying this, but go Team Ginsburg. It's often been repeated that anyone in the office is cynical, but Ginsburg seems to lack that cynicism. Uh, I think he's cute, and I need more of this. Uh, Alex P, a note from a fellow Zoom user. What's up with all the 666? He says it has been there for numerous episodes, which several other people pointed out, too. Um, that this it's been in the background of a lot of the elevator shots. Uh, I also, I believe that Don and Peggy will bang at some point. She is what Don wants. Even when he announced that he was getting married, he said to her, she reminded me of you. Thank you, Alex. Yes, <laughs> he did say that. That was uh-huh. odd. Yeah, uh, that's a little weird. Erin writes in, I have a couple of recaps, thoughts and dark shadows, or I've read a lot of recaps of thoughts on Dark Shadows, but nobody seems to have picked up on the continued fascination with hell that's happening for Draper. Uh, but she also says she hasn't seen anyone else pick up on the 666 address enigma. Mm-hmm. I can't, uh, but I can't think that Don's peering into a cavernous abyss of darkness has nothing to do with his devil pitch or his being trapped in a hot box yeah. of a lavish apartment as toxic smog surrounds his building. Mm-hmm. Uh, is Don in hell? If so, why? Because he's not what he used to be or because Megan isn't enough? Leaving Ginzo's art in a cab was shocking to me and very undraper-like. If Draper keeps pulling pretty uh, petty dick moves like that, he'll become just like Pete Campbell. Uh, also, Ginsburg is still adorable. The ladies love Ginsburg. They do. They're all over Ginsburg. I, I think it's his coats. So <laughs> I saved Dan's for last because it's kind of lengthy and it's got an awesome take on the Dark Shadows vampires theme of this episode that I haven't seen anywhere else. Said Betty's uh, dark shadows include her feelings that she was wrongly uh, jumped ship from her marriage to Don as Henry jumped ship from Rockefeller to Lindsay. She claims to have everything she wants at Thanksgiving, but we see her meager plate. And then seeing Don's note to Megan on the back of a picture of a blue whale, she unleashes her scheme against Megan and Don. Earlier, we see Betty stare at the undressed Megan through a window like a voyeuristic vampire stalking its prey while in bat form. 
Also notice that after Megan and Betty's brief conversation, Megan clutches at her own throat as if feeling for a bite. Don actually speaks like Dracula when putting on his devil's face. His demeanor, the formality of his clothing, especially the pallor of his skin, strike me as particularly vampiric when he's on the elevator being confronted by Ginsburg. Likewise, Pete daydreams about a particularly pale Beth who approaches him not just like a vamp, but like one of Dracula's minions dressed in fur and black lingerie. And then we cue to Pete lying in a trance. Roger's also dressed in stark black and white as he and Jane go to her new apartment and the, and the dark shadows play in the walls to enter. He kisses her forcefully, even going for her neck, metaphorically sucking the life out of Jane by insisting on having everything his own way. Finally, there's not a blue sky to be seen in the episode. The smog in the background gets progressively worse until Megan hangs a lamp on it by warning Don about the toxic smog. Betty's poison, of course, but also the thickening fog of Transylvania. What do you think, man? Uh, a little too much, or is all that there intentionally? I think it's a little too much. I think they're more going for the hell reference, honestly. I don't. I think that she's got a point because the mm-hmm. the frame of Betty looking at at Megan was very Bella Lugosi. You mm-hmm. know, classic romantic Certainly. vampire seduction kind of thing. And then I did when I was rewatching after Red Signal, Megan does kind of like feel her neck mm-hmm. um, after Betty walks out. Mm-hmm. And I also quite like the whole, you know, uh, Beth as the vamp and the fog as Transylvania fog. I thought those were strong mm-hmm. points. I mean, I'm I'm not saying it's not there, but certainly the more obvious reference sure. here is Don's Hell. I'm just saying that, like, with stuff that works, I would love to get Matthew Weiner as an interview and see if he would fess, like, how yeah. much of this stuff, <laughs> Yeah. or do they just layer on symbolism and symbolism, like, consciously say, like, everything that was happening this year, let's throw it all on screen and see what people make of it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's really hard to write that many layers into something, you know? Certainly, yeah. And I know how easy studying, like, literature, how easy it is to see illusions where they weren't really intended. Definitely. But you have to think, they spent 18 months between seasons. Yeah. Not, probably uh, a large part of that was spent writing. Right. So. All right. Uh, That's true. They had, like, 18 months of polish that thing. Exactly. Uh, Outro? Yeah, if that's all the feedback we have. Super quick. Keep up with what Jim and I and Mad Brew are doing with all our different podcasts at baldmove.com. Follow us on facebook.com slash baldmove, uh, where I lurk, and it's increasingly becoming a hip place to be. It's becoming hell. It's Toxic beca- fumes everywhere. <laughs> We're almost at 500, <laughs> yeah, that's 500 awesome, fans. Man. That is awesome. I think when you hit 500, it like becomes some self-aware entity like Skynet. <laughs> uh-huh. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Jim holds down Twitter at uh, baldmove, and we appreciate various forms of support am i doing this right sure. no i left out if yeah. you'd like to send us a long form take on the episode you can do so at email. madmen at baldmove.com email it to us three ways to support us uh tell a friend go iTunes on reviews. itunes give us a review uh use our amazon affiliate link at amazon.baldmove.com or click on the yellow banner at the top of our website anything you purchase on there doesn't charge you anything. It just gives us a little bit of uh, Amazon's cut. And helps us pay for our bandwidth and server fees. A few small blocks of cheddar. A few small blocks of cheddar weighed out and <laughs> yep. a dry piece and of toast. And <laughs> uh, Then, <laughs> man, I wish we were as oppressed at time. You. I would just yeah. like go off on that. Uh, the other way, we added a new Flatter link, which several people have actually used. I just checked it the other day. 
Um, I don't know what the address of on that. It's kind of not friendly. But if no, you there's go, there's a button on our site. If you yeah. go to our site on the extreme left, I believe mm-hmm. there's a uh, says there's a little block that says flatter. You yeah, click on that, green. it takes you. It's basically a, a way to directly donate. I don't know why anyone would do it. Yeah. Why anyone would just <laughs> give us money? But hell, if you're going to, there's a link that'll that they'll take it. So. Sure. Uh, and if you got any feedback, I'd love to hear from people that used it to see, you know, if you thought it was user friendly and, and how the experience was for you. And cause we're considering whether to keep it or not. So yeah. that's all we got. All right. How many episodes we got? We're down like three episodes left. Three four. episodes left in the season, I think. Four. Or, yeah. There's 13 in the, in so the season. we got four so more four episodes left. Uh, and then we have like a month break and then we do break bad. Yeah. I, I'm really looking forward to that, but I'm looking enough. forward to the month break. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> This is killing me. Uh, And with that said, yes. Until next time, I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron.